Welcome everybody to Credit Nation, powered by Off My Credit. Today's show is going to follow along with our format for the program, and that is where I, as your guide, will discuss things of interest to me, and if you have any feedback, good or bad, you may jump in the comments and let's have a discussion. Now, with that being said, um, we've got three topics for today's show. As always, we exist simply to talk about things that should matter to you and should definitely uh, or will definitely have an impact on your life. We are all about education and making sure that you can use what we bring to you so that you can fix your today and improve your tomorrow. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's dive into Broadcast Excellence and kick off today's show. So uh, we're going to talk about student loans and mortgages and the recent change that the FHA uh, came out with and why your student loans may or may not help you when it comes to buying a home. We're also going to have a quick discussion about a new company, uh, which I actually happen to really love, and what they're doing. Uh, the program is built. I actually um, am somewhat familiar with the family of the gentleman who created this program, so that I, I'm really excited to talk about that. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how FICO, the company that controls whether you, me, or anyone else gets a mortgage, why their dominance may be in question, and as time goes on, why they may actually not play as much of a vital role in decision-making for home mortgages. So let's get to it. All right, so earlier in the week, the uh, Biden administration decided that they were going to rework some of the guidelines for getting an FHA mortgage. And let's define that for just a second. So if you're wondering, well, what is an FHA mortgage? An FHA mortgage is typically the type of people that are getting an FHA mortgage. Um, again, a mortgage is simply the loan agreement that you have with a lender so that you can buy a, a, an asset, in this case, uh, a home. And FHA typically caters to first-time buyers. So I think about 80% of all first-time home buyers will use an FHA mortgage. Now, one of the reasons for that is the FHA mortgage actually allows somebody to buy a home with a lower down payment. So I was reading an article two or three days ago and the article was basically talking about hey you know what is some of the challenges in 2021 that people are having in buying a home right we all know that home prices are going up all across the country the uh you know the real estate industry is on fire you you go and you put an offer in on a home and and there's multiple offers the home is sold for way more than ask um, and, and there's obviously a lot fueling that. However, there are a number of African-American and Hispanics that were interviewed in a survey, and what they wanted to know was, hey, what are the biggest challenges that you're facing when it comes to buying a home? Well, it's the inability to save for a down payment. So FHA steps in and says, hey, we have programs where you can actually buy a home. 
um, and get a mortgage for that home and you can go with a low down payment. Now there's qualifications when it comes to that. Uh, they're usually pretty simple to meet. They, they typically, um, depending on your credit score, they'll do, you know, three and a half percent down. Um, if your credit score is really, really low, they may, you know, consider 10% down, but it's got to be your primary place of residence and things like that. So again, it's a pretty easy, um, you know, qualification, but of course, as we all know, if you've got a lower credit score, you're going to pay a higher interest rate and then you're going to pay a ton for the house. And that is not really what you want to do when you're buying a really expensive, um, you know, home. So with that being said, the Biden administration said, okay, well, how do we make it easier for people to get into the mortgage game and, or, or, you know, buying a home rather. And I started thinking, man, it's starting to sound a little bit like 2008 all over again. Now I'm not saying that we're going back to 2008. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is, when certain lenders in the mortgage industry realized that there was an opportunity to create a lot of wealth for a certain number of people, uh, the guidelines started to get a little bit easier. Now, they certainly didn't come out and say, hey, you know, we're changing these guidelines because, you know, we control these big banks and we want to make all this money off of the American people. That's not what they said to us, right? So they they basically made it sound like, oh, hey, we just want to make everything more affordable for people to buy a home. Well, that's great. But again, when it's really affordable to buy a home, it increases risk in the marketplace because, again, when you loosen the guidelines or you do things to create programs that are government-backed to make it easier for people to buy a home, again, the intention is good. But it makes me just start to wonder, and it should make you wonder too, why all of a sudden are we starting to now care about easing guidelines for getting a mortgage? And the last time we did see this take place, it was during 2008 uh, or run up to 2008. And for most of us watching the program today, you will probably remember how that turned out. And that was not so good for a lot of people. So again, uh, not sure, you know, where that all leads to, but it's something to keep in mind uh, as the, you know, FHA mortgage guidelines are going to get a little bit more loose, uh, specifically when it comes to your student loans. So let's talk about this. So let's say that you have a student loan um, or several student loans, which is the case for most people, and you want to go and qualify for a mortgage. Well, part of qualifying for a mortgage is your financial health. It's, it's, it's partly credit, but it's also your financial health. So one of the things that a bank's gonna look at is what is known as debt to income, okay? That means how much money you have going out to expenses and bills versus how much money you're bringing in from different income sources. And when you take those two numbers and you divide them into each other, they come up with a percentage. And that percentage is what's known as your debt to income ratio. Now, there's certain thresholds for that. So if you're doing an FHA mortgage, unless it's changed, which, you know, it could, uh, I want to say it was around a 43% debt to income threshold, meaning you couldn't, your debts 
could not exceed 43% of your income. If it did, that meant that you didn't qualify for an FHA mortgage, and then you had to look for a different program to help you buy that home. And of course, that comes as added costs to you, the home buyer. So if your student loans, which are going to factor into your debt to income, if you have student loans originally, what the, what the banks would do is say, okay, we're gonna take the total of what you owe so let's say you owed $40,000 in student loans and we're going to use 1% of that as the amount that you are responsible for um, payment against those student loans. And that would get added into your debt to income calculation. For a lot of people, that calculation wasn't telling the true picture of whether somebody could afford a home or not. It was just a, in my opinion, it was just a dumb, stupid, idiotic desk paper pusher that came out and said, hey, we're going to use 1% of all your student loan balances and we're going to use that number and we're going to you know, put it into your debt to income. Okay, well, look, what happens if you're the person that's not actually, if you've got your loans in deferment or you're, you know, you're on an income-based repayment program? Well, you're not paying the 1%. You're paying something totally different. And the 1% would, for a lot of folks, would push you over that threshold and you would be denied for a mortgage loan with an FHA program. So what ended up happening was the Biden administration said, okay, well, what if we take a step back and why don't we get a little bit of common sense? Now, I very rarely am going to agree with anything that the current administration is doing, and that is not anything Democrat or Republican. It's just I have a lot of common sense and you should as well. And if you are like me and have common sense, you will realize that most of the things pushed through our federal government really are not meant to benefit us, even though they certainly will brag about how it is. So with that being said, this is one thing I do agree on. They decided to use their noggins, right? And they said, okay, let's actually take the real payment that somebody is making or should be making on their student loans and let's take that real payment and factor that into all of the silly math equations that they come up with, right? So the good news is the real payment is the real story. What you actually are paying for your student loans should tell a lender, hey, this is the payment I'm making, and as long as that real payment keeps me below the debt-to-income threshold, then I, you know, I should be able to add some new debt being the, the mortgage for the home uh, and I still should be able to handle that comfortably. Therefore, meaning you're telling the bank, I'm not going to default on your mortgage payment, buddy. Don't worry. You're going to make a ton of money off of me buying this house from you. That's how it works. So with that being said, um, these, you know, there, 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 there's a couple rules in there, right? So if I just tell you that, hey, now your student loans, if you've got them, it's easier to get a mortgage. Well, that headline sounds great, but again, there's always a couple clauses in there that we've all come to expect the, what I would call the gotcha clauses. And so the gotcha clauses are, if you are currently making your payments on your student loans, this new rule does not apply to you. What they figure is, hey, you're already making that payment, so, you know, if, if we factor that into your debt to income, then it is, and, and you know, if, if, if it's not throwing you out of whack, then fine. If it is, oh well, I mean, you're making the payment anyway. What this is really focused on doing is for the people that either are on an income-based repayment plan, meaning 
you went to the bar or the lender, excuse me, of your student loans and said, hey, I can't make this payment that you've got set for me. Will you take my income into account and give me a fixed payment that I can afford? And so if you're on a program like that, that's income-based, or if your student loans are in deferment, meaning you are not repaying them at the moment, then you would be able to qualify for this new rule. So the good news is there are a lot of people, especially due to COVID, where the uh, student loan programs, the ones that are backed by the federal government, they actually you know, essentially went to everybody without your permission and just said, hey, we're putting your loans on deferment. And if I remember reading correctly, um, they actually just extended that through the fall time, I believe. So um, anyway, the as long as you are in a deferment or your in, income-based program, you can use this new rule to help you out. And again, for a lot of people where as Americans, we love our bills, uh, you know, it, it could make the difference. You could be right on that bubble where it makes a difference of you being able to get a mortgage versus not getting a mortgage. So I think it's overall, you know, it's not a bad idea, but as always, I'm very opinionated and here's the freaking problem that I have. So rather than looking at addressing the problem, we come up with a program, right? Which Let's be honest, if it's a federal program, it's really just a code word for another tax increase, right? I mean, we can call it whatever we want, but federal programs cost money. The federal government's not going to pay for this freaking thing. So any program that's released by the government is really going to be burdened back onto average people like you and I, the listeners of this audience. So with that being said, um, you have a new you know, you, you've, you've got a Band-Aid that, that is, is this new program. Well, why don't we just, in my opinion, why don't we just take a step back and say, well, you know, America, what's the real, uh, what's the real you know, problem that we're facing? Well, the real problem is, is that schools and universities are charging far too much money for studies and specific programs and degrees that have nothing to do with real practicality, meaning if I go and get a degree and I go out into the real world and I leave college with $60,000 of student loans and I can get a job making $28,000 a year, I hope I don't have to do the math for people to tell you that that's a big freaking problem. You are never going to pay off those student loans because your income, after you using your money to live on, hello, the most important thing, your food and shelter and water, then you got to make a student loan payment on $60,000. It's just, the again, it just doesn't calculate, folks. So the reality is, the real problem is, is colleges and universities are charging far too much money. They're allowing people to go study things that really just, again, I'm not saying you can't go study what you're, you know, follow your heart and your passions, but ask yourself, does it make sense for me to study something where I get out and the average income, and by the way, you can Google this stuff. What is the average income per year for a particular field of study or a particular job industry? And you say, okay, well, how much money do I have to borrow to get that degree? Well, if you're if the income amount is this big and the debt is this big, 
it's going to be a problem, guys. Don't don't go into that. And, and I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, that you're just never going to pay that back. That's the real problem. So what we should be doing is developing uh, and putting pressure on colleges and universities to overhaul the education program. That way, we don't need programs like this. Sure, I agree. When you're calculating debt to income, you should just go off of the exact payments that somebody has. And by the way, the income shouldn't be gross. It should be net. Because if you get $5,000 gross and they tax 2000 of it and you only get to bring home 3000 well, guess what? The 5000 is irrelevant because you never saw that money anyway. So let's get back to some logic when it comes to this stuff but let's also try to steer the conversation into what's the real problem and why don't we focus on fixing those things instead of creating programs that are just going to you know push us into taxation and push and just putting band-aids on things it sounds great i get it it's the path of least resistance it sounds delightful when it's whispered in your ear but at the end of the day guys it just doesn't make sense and somebody's got to be one to blow the horn beat the war drum call out the hypocrites and say let's really fix the problem and therefore we wouldn't need all these programs but for now hey hopefully this program can help some people out because again that's what it's really all about for now is if people can comfortably um, afford a mortgage payment i'm all for it homes are an awesome part of the american story and so again you know let's take the the little victory and let's move on now the next uh part of the program which happens to be again one of my favorite is so for the longest time, your credit was really just made up of, you know, how you repaid bills, okay? And they're, they're, they're over, over that period of time, you know, again, if you were somebody who had the capability of, you know, borrowing money and then paying it back, you could build up a credit score. Well, there are so many people, I, I want to say it's 53 million people in America right now that are actually... Um, they, they don't have a credit score. So they were unfortunately pushed into one of two categories. If you didn't have a credit score or you had a very uh, limited credit score, you either got pushed into the category of you weren't going to get a loan to borrow money to buy something or you were going to get a loan, you were going to be ripped off with an extremely high interest rate and it was going to turn out to be a horrible financial disaster for you. Now, people started to recognize, hey, maybe there's other ways that we can determine if somebody is a responsible borrower of money, meaning they can borrow money and they can pay it back. And maybe it doesn't have to be with just the current credit scores that we have developed right now and have used for decades and decades and decades. Well, this new wave of thinking gave certain entrepreneurs the ability to come in and create solutions to real-world problems. Now, this is where I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second, but I don't want to bore you and waste your time. So here's how this looks. It's one of the reasons why I love free market capitalism. Because, look, I, I get all the naysayers, the greed, the, the divide in income equality and all. I get it. I do. But the reality is, is that on planet Earth, A, there is no such thing as fair. 
That was a pipe dream that your parents tried to sell you when you're a kid, and it's just not reality. And no matter how hard you push and try, fair is just not fair. So let's throw that out the window. But the reality is, is that free market capitalism is better than government programs. Why? Because you have brilliant minds competing for an opportunity to bring forth an idea that can benefit the general population and the reason they're so gung-ho about doing this is because there's money to be made. And let's be honest, that greed is what drives everybody. Whether you want to admit it or not, you could sit in front of your, your computer screen watching me and say, I'm not a greedy person. I believe in giving to everybody. Okay, great, but you're still greedy. I'm greedy. We're all greedy. Money rules the world. And guess what? It always will. So, Free market capitalism allows people to capitalize on that greed. But here's the thing. Greed isn't a bad thing when it is used to further the benefit of a large group of people. So with that being said, we've got an entrepreneur that comes out, says, hey, I want to be a little bit greedy. I want to make a little bit of money and I can do it better than the government can. So he creates a program where you can now pay your rent using a credit card and this program is called built b-i-l-t for the nerds in the audience like me who want to look this up and read more about it i support all you guys who think just like me now here's the way that this program works you have a credit card if you are renting an apartment and if you're in a if your apartment is managed by a big property management group, okay, chances are if you're in a really nice big large fancy apartment complex, one of these property management groups is going to be managing the place that you live in, the, the overall complex, right? So if you're if you're part of this large network of you know fancy condos and apartments, Chances are that those property managers have already agreed to work with Built. And what that does is they say, hey, you get this credit card. There's no fees. Uh, you, you don't, you don't, I mean, you, you apply for it, but it's not, you don't have to have a credit score for it per se. So you get this credit card in the mail. You tell your landlord, you know, hey, you guys are on, you guys accept. Yep, yep. Okay, great. So you use this credit card, you pay your rent. Now, what's really neat is when you pay your rent, I believe you get double the points for, I believe it's for every dollar that you spend on rent above $250, you get double points. And those points are reward points. Now you can cash those rewards in for things like shopping. You can, uh, I believe you can take those points and, and use them to pay. If you build up a big enough, you can use those points to pay your rent with. Uh, you can even use those points to turn into real dollars that you can then use towards a down payment when you go from renting to buying a home. So the program is really innovative, right? Now, if you decide that you want to use this credit card to go out and buy something else, groceries or a tank of gas or, you know, for for the, the, the females in the group, um, the new, you know, purse that you just have to have, or if you're the guys in the group, uh, you know, the, a new watch or, you know, the, the, the latest and greatest designer outfit or whatever floats your fancy, right? You go out and you use that, you're going to get um, 
point for point, dollar for dollar. But again, these points build up on this card and you can use it. Now, the cool thing about the card is they don't want anybody to use this card as a as an avenue for somebody to get into debt. So what ends up happening is, is let's say that you, you, this, by the way, this card is linked to your personal bank account. So you're going, you know, if you fall behind on your rent payment, they're going to go to your bank account and they're going to use money you have in there to help you pay the rent for that month. Um, if you, if you start to fall behind, because again, the goal of this card isn't to just go out and, pay rent and buy all kinds of stuff and then just get into debt and then default on the card and then ruin your credit score, right? So the goal of this card is let's go ahead, let's give people an opportunity to start to build what I call an alternative credit score where you may not have, you know, a, a auto loan or a previous mortgage or um, you didn't take out, you know, a couple of different credit cards. Maybe this is your first you know, card you're going to ever have. So what you're going to do is you're going to say, okay, well, let me get my built card. Let me pay my rent with it. And then that rent gets reported to all three credit bureaus, TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. This is going to help you start to build up not only real true credit history, but it's also going to be something that is reflected not only on your bank statements. And folks, by the way, your, I, I was reading this the other day, there are uh, there or, or there are companies out there that are going to be piloting a program this fall of 2021 where they're going to start to even look at your bank statements as a way to determine your credit worthiness. Now, if you're responsible with money, that's going to be a great thing. If you're not so responsible, uh, you probably want to have them, you tell them, hey, you know, look the other way. Don't, don't look over here. Uh, so what I, what I, again, what I encourage you to do is this credit card is, is should be used just for paying your rent, even though you can use it for other things, but I would encourage you not to. Check out, uh, just Google Built, go to their website, check it out. If you, if you, so, so if you're signed up, if your landlord is signed up with this program and you're already in this apartment complex, it's a really easy, you just make the payments um, and, and, and online and it's easy to use. Now, let's say that you're somebody like when I started out, uh, my wife and I were staying in a condo that was owned by a relative and we just paid cash money you know, for, to, to rent the place. You can still get credit. Even though this is just a private landlord, you can still get credit. What you do is you go directly to build and make the payment. Then they're going to credit that to your your, your bureau to the credit bureaus as an on-time payment and then they'll turn around and cut a check and send it to your landlord. So they'll built will actually act as a third party payment processor, if you will, and they'll make sure that so you pay built and then built will pay the will pay the landlord. Um, therefore, rather than you going direct, you actually can start to get benefit for paying your rent. And guys, there's a big push for this. Um, there are multitudes of companies that do similar things, but I would encourage you, if you're paying rent, figure out how rent can uh, make you money, or excuse me, how rent can, well, I guess, yeah, make you money because there's all these rewards programs, but but uh, figure out how rent can help you start to build credit history because then when you go to actually say, hey, I'm tired of renting and I want a home, now you've got rental history that shows a lender, hey, my my you know, what I pay to 
live in, uh, you know, with a roof over my head, uh, I, I've actually got a long history of being able to handle that. Uh, it's going to help you get better interest rates when you buy a home, but at the same time, with this particular card, you'll be able to use some of your, um, you know, your rewards, and you can cash that in towards down payment money on your mortgage, and that ties right back into the study that we mentioned earlier in the program, where if you are somebody who is struggling to save up money for a down payment. This could also be something that helps you out. Now, again, this is a very new program, but uh, myself, my office, my team, we all got together and we poured over this program. The merits are great. We think it's a really awesome idea. Uh, there are other, again, companies out there, folks, where you can, you know, just make your, you know, they'll they'll take your rent payment and they'll credit you, you know, two or three years worth of history. Um, and that's great, but what I, what we love about Built is that it's an actual credit card that's going to allow a lender to see an active credit card, and it's going to help you go from either a low or no score to a high score if you have, uh, again, either no score or a very thin file, meaning you don't have a lot of credit history. So we, we love it. Uh, if you want more information, again, Google it. Um, we are looking at doing some business with them. Uh, ourselves, our company at Off My Credit. So again, if you ever need any advice or anything we could do to help you out when it comes to understanding and learning this, let us know. We'd be happy to help. And last for today's show, a topic that I thought was pretty cool. Um, I have some problems with it, but I think it's overall pretty cool. And that is where FICO's dominance is being challenged and why that is a good thing for America. Now, FICO is one of the big companies that they say, hey, listen, we figured out a way to calculate credit scores and they sell that, uh, that, that idea, that software, right, to banks, companies that lend money. And they rely on FICO to say, hey, the way that we calculate risk and somebody's ability to borrow money and pay it back is better than anybody. So buy our program, our software, and you will be able to correctly identify whether or not somebody is likely to pay you back or not and, and you know what kind of interest rate you want to charge for whatever risk may or may not be there, right? So for the longest time, FICO was pretty much the only player in that space. And then the Vantage model came along but FICO still dominates the mortgage industry. So if you want to go and get a, a, a mortgage, your mortgage lender is going to use your FICO score. The problem is, is that there are millions and millions, tens of millions, I think the number is between 50 and 100 million Americans that don't have a credit score. And you've heard me talk about this already. So what people are starting to realize is, is that if you have a credit score and it's decent, you have access to pretty much anything that you can imagine. And if you're like, hey, I want I want to get this, that, or the other, you, you pretty much don't have any barriers um, or anything that's going to prevent you from, from, you know, buying something. But what happens to a large percentage of our population here in this country where they don't have a credit score? So, you know, what do we do? Just leave them, you know, sitting on the side of a road? with a sign that says, you know, what about me? No, of course not. What we do is we figure out a way to 
say, how can we take somebody that doesn't have any credit history and start to find ways that they can still borrow money because building credit history takes time. It's, it's, it's called history for a reason. History isn't immediate. It's, it's based on time. So what ends up happening is, is that people are starting to say, hey, what if we look at bank statements? What if we look at utility payments? What if we look, what if we look at subscription services that people are paying for? Anything that can show a bank how you handle money and how you handle paying somebody back for something that you borrowed, right? So the way that's going to work is, let's say, and as, as we've got uh, technical difficulties here, we'll have to go ahead and fire our, uh, stu- our studio engineers. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be in next week with a brand new crew. So uh, if you guys are looking for a studio engineer, I've got some that'll be on the open market and uh, I think they're available for interviews. But uh, nonetheless, uh, what basically what happens is is people say, hey, you know what? We can look at bank statements. We can look at people, you know, how, how the money that they have coming in versus the money that they're spending. Okay, well, how responsible are they? Do they have enough money left over at the end of, it, of, of every month to be able to pay back a loan, right? So I, here's what I love. I love the fact that in America, we're starting to, we're always pushing the envelope to say, how can we get better at doing something, right? How can we, if there's an area or a, or a percentage of people in a population that are underserved, how can we serve those people in an equitable way, meaning we're not out to, to screw a percentage of people over, right? And unfortunately, in our history, that has happened because people have said, oh, Look at this particular group of people. They don't have X, Y, or Z. Let's exploit that and make all the money. Well, okay, but you know that's a pretty jerk move to do because you just took a really big group of people, screwed them over, and if they don't have the means to do, you know, you're uh, to unscrew what you just did to them. Well, now that you know that that becomes generational. So those people got screwed. Now they've got kids. What are those kids supposed to do? So again. I don't that that's the part of greed that I don't like, but what I do love is that people are at least willing to say, "Hey, how do we become more creative? How do we ethically and equitably help out a population group that needs our help?" And again, as long as it's done the right way, I think it's awesome. So, what's starting to happen is is people say, "Well, look, why does FICO have to be the only sheriff in town, right? Why does FICO get to make all the rules when we have a ton of people that literally, if they went to FICO, FICO would say, we don't know who you are. We don't have a history of you. Get out of my office. And then they freaking kick you in the rear and you go stumbling out the door. So again, there's a big movement where companies are saying, hey, let's create these ways where we can determine if somebody can pay somebody back. And if they can, why don't we jump out on the limb and let's give them a loan and let's see how they do. Now, it may not be a home loan for your first loan. It may be, you know, maybe maybe somebody needs, you know, $1,000 to go to Home Depot or to Best Buy to get a new refrigerator because it broke. And, you know, you've got two hours because otherwise all this stuff in the freezer and the fridge are going to spoil. Well, 
You don't have time to sit there and say, well, I don't have a credit card, so what am I supposed to do? I don't have the cash for it. I need my money for something else, right? Rent's due, car payment's due, insurance is due. So they say, well, what if you could go to one of these companies, show them your bank statements, and just like that, within a very short period of time, you can get the money to go get that refrigerator because they say, hey, you know what? This guy's got enough money over six, 12 months to pay me back for that thousand bucks. And Lord knows he needs a new fridge, so let's let's help him out. Now again, the goodwill in all of this, let's not be let's not kid ourselves. People are going to be making money, but the nice thing is is that there's a lot of programs that are not charging you high interest rates on these types of loans like, you know, like a payday loan, which by the way, if anybody out there in the audience listening is getting a payday loan, please stop. They're crooks. They take advantage of a need for people that are in desperate dire straits and they charge you they rob you they don't even charge you charge you is a word that shouldn't even been used they rob you blind and make you pay 17,000 times more than what something is worth stay away from payday loans look to some of these other companies that are starting to offer different ways for you to not only borrow money but build up a credit history so that if you do want to buy a home you can tell FICO to go buzz off and now you have an opportunity to where you have history of showing a mortgage lender, hey, I can borrow money successfully. I may not have a credit score or I may have a new credit score, but I can still borrow money and here's my proof. So kudos to the companies out there that are starting to challenge the dominance that FICO's had in the mortgage industry for all this time right? They're a monopoly, if you will. And people are saying, look, this is not good. There are too many people out there that can't win at that game if there's only one player. So let's break it up. Let's make it, let's give an improvement. And I'm not saying FICO's going anywhere. They're not. They're too big. They're too powerful. They have way too much influence. But again, if there's alternative methods to FICO, use it. I know it's I know it's new, but again, Credit Nation off my credit. What we're doing is taking the time to study where credit is moving, where credit is going, so that we can be some of the first to bring this to you guys, our our audience, our listeners. You guys can use this information to go out and and start to learn and educate yourselves. And for some of you, these programs are going to be perfect. Take advantage of them. They're there to help you guys out. And as we start to move at light speed into the future, credit is going to be one of the only things that is going to matter. Sure, you're gonna, there's always going to be some form of currency, whether it's Bitcoin or dollars or whatever. It doesn't matter. There's always going to be a currency. But the fair, simple problem will always exist is that there's not enough currency to pay for everything. There's always going to be a shortage of somebody not having enough currency to go and get something that they want or need, which will always mean that you need to borrow on credit. And as that becomes more and more difficult to do and you have more and more barriers to 
being in in a sense credit perfect, right? Because they're again now they're going to start looking at all these things. They're going to look at your how do you pay your utilities, your light, your cell phone, your cable. How do you how do you do in your bank accounts? So it's like you know before if you had bad credit, guys and gals, you could you know you 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 know it's like you could kind of hide behind the curtain if you will because you wouldn't you you know it's like you're you've if you're if you're missing a utility payment over here you're paying it late consistently or you know your your cell phone bill or whatever excuse me as long as you're not letting that stuff charge off then you're you know nobody's going to know because it's not really getting reported to your credit but now people are starting to realize people people that make these big decisions are starting to realize hey on one hand, we can help people. On the other hand, we're going to start to use more and more data to be more and more strict about who gets to borrow on credit and who doesn't. And if you're on the wrong side of this, I don't even necessarily know if it's going to be something about, well, you're just going to pay more. I think it's going to be more, you just don't get it. You're just not going to get approved. And that's everything from home buying to car buying to uh, you want to buy your your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, whatever, a gift. And it's, you know, a nice piece of jewelry um, from certain types of travel, uh, you know, that you do to even down to your job and, and Lord knows what else. But the one thing I know, and it's the message I want to provide to everybody, is the federal government is all about getting into your bed, being as deeply involved in everything that you do, because the more they know about you, the more that they can predict, the more that they control, the more power they have. And while all of these programs we talked about on today's program are great and start using them right away, as I've said before, but just understand that You've got to be very responsible if you're going to go take on these new programs because these new programs will start to get sucked up into the system and they will be used for credit decisions more and more and more. So you don't want to get yourself in over your head. Yeah, we teach you about credit, but we teach you about responsibility and credit doesn't matter. Credit can be your best friend or your worst nightmare. It all depends on how responsible are you. If you are not a responsible person, then find the mentor, find some, marry somebody, date somebody that's responsible that can help reel you in, do whatever you need to do to become a more responsible person, then take on credit and it'll be your best friend. You will be able to create a lifestyle that you've never even believed possible. But on the flip side of that, you will create a life that you, you, you'll, you'll be, you could be regretful of because again, Credit can really hurt you or it can really help you, but responsibility, discipline is the factor that will determine which side of the fence you fall on. So again, please, 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 we always stress responsibility. Credit is, there's nothing like it on planet Earth. It's going to become more and more of your everyday life. We have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million people who don't have a credit score, get credit, learn credit. We are here to help as always each and every week. We bring you these programs based on topics that we feel you need to know about because they're going to be impacting your everyday life. And it's always better to be out in front than it is to get caught flat-footed and be left behind or having to play catch-up. 
So we hope you enjoyed today's program. Uh, again, as always, we're here each and every week bringing you the very best content, trying to make sure that we are entertaining at the same time. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thanks again, as always, for tuning in. We will see you next time.